Um, so how's everybody doing today? It's really weird to not have a microphone in my hand. I'm just going to have to get over it. So um, like Zach said, my name is Stephen Lehman. I don't know if you've ever met me before. Um, I'm looking across the congregation today and I see a lot of familiar faces and some unfamiliar faces. So that's a good thing, um, a good mix of people. Uh, I attended this church for a very long time. I think I started coming here when I was about 17 years old, maybe 16, something there. And um, for the rest of my high school time and a little bit even into my college time, I attended the youth ministry um, under Pastor Bob. And when he was the youth pastor here, I did a couple of, uh, I worked with the, did a little bit of youth leadership kind of stuff, worked in worship teams, did a bunch of things. So this church, I, I consider my church home. Um, even though I didn't start going here until I was 16 or 17, I still consider this place my home, and I love coming back and just seeing everybody's face and hugging people and smiling and having a good time. But um, let me just go a little bit of uh, history over what's kind of happened in the last couple years of my life. Um, in October of 2013 is when I accepted my first position as a full-time youth pastor in Michigan City, Indiana. Has anybody been to Michigan City before? Up in, How about the dunes? Anybody been to the dunes, right? It's worth the trip. Go to the dunes. It's beautiful up there. Um, so 2013, so that means it's been about three years since I started being a youth pastor. So that's exciting. But since then, Jesus has taken me on quite the journey. Um, it's been one crazy ride since I got there. Uh, as a youth pastor, not knowing what to expect other than what I've seen from being in this church and watching other youth pastors, but it's a whole different ballgame when you're the one in charge. So, um, so 2015, which was this past year, um, was probably one of the most uh, integral years of my life when it comes to my relationship with Jesus. Um, through my time as a youth pastor and um, living up in Michigan City, first it's other than college, it was the first time moving out of mom and dad's house for me. Um, so, and, and if we all can either think to that time, we remember that. It was a little bit like, you're not sure what you're doing. You make some mistakes. You, you do something. And then for those of you who haven't done that yet, you're like, yeah, that sounds like a wonderful idea until you realize you have to buy your own groceries. Then it's not such a great idea. <laughs> Anyways, um, Jesus brought me to a place where he could really teach me some new things. How many know we need to be taught some new things very often, Right. Oh, man, new things every day in the name of Jesus, right? So um, one cool thing that happened was Jesus kind of ignited this passion for photography in me that came out of nowhere. I never imagined that photography was my thing. I like making the camp videos and all that stuff, but other than that, photography was never on the horizon for me at all until all of a sudden I just, it's a, it's a cool little story just how it all happened. Basically, I just accidentally got interested in photography. And, but the cool thing was that Jesus was putting that in me not just as something I could do or not something so I could just post on Instagram, but it was something that he could use to teach me so many things and bring me places that I would have never been had I not had a camera in my hand. So I'm going to explain kind of how that works and how that's going to be uh, put into the message here. Uh, but I realized um, during 2015 that in order for me to draw closer to Jesus, I wanted to be closer to Jesus, and I decided, how am I going to do this? I realized that I had to take some responsibility. I have to do something, right? Because for a lot of my life, I kind of expected God to just do it, and if he didn't do it, then it was cool. You know, I'll just kind of sit and take the back seat and just do whatever. But um, God had another plan. So for the first half of 2015, I uh, my desire for him started increasing as I spent more time and developed a healthy habit, reading, um, good devotional time in the morning. I mean, how many know when you're a pastor, you kind of got to have that? So it wasn't non-existent before, but now it's becoming, it, it becomes something that I needed. Every day, I was like looking forward to it. It was routine. It was habit. It was getting good. 
But about halfway through the year, something really interesting started happening. And like I said, about in the summer of 2015, um, the Lord started pouring into me in ways that I never expected before. Um, visions, dreams, um, I, uh, prophetic words, whatever, whatever you want to see from Scripture and pull out, it began to happen, and I began to see the Lord pour himself out and pour himself into me so that I could pour out into not only my friends, but also the youth, also the people in my church um, and the people around me. So God really started to do something in me um, as soon as I started to increase what I was doing in the mornings there. And again, this is not a time for me to just say, hey, look what I did. You know, this is this great accomplishment um, because I'm a pastor and I can do these things. But I'm, I'm going to show you something that's really cool, what, how we can learn how to be close with Jesus. I'm getting to that in just a second. But as I increased my devotion and took on the responsibility of pushing past my flesh. That's our responsibility a lot of times, right? We, we've got to do something about it, right? We have a responsibility on ourselves, of course, through Christ who strengthens us, right? Um, but Jesus began to teach me how to hear his voice in many different ways. But one thing that Jesus spoke to me that I will never forget, something that has become the core piece of my life and that I'm going to be preaching on today. It's, uh, it's basically, he said, everything stems from intimacy with me. Everything stems from intimacy with Jesus. Every single part of your life, everything that you do, the way you act, the way you relate with the people around you, with you relate with yourself, with the world, it all stems and it all focuses on your closeness, your intimacy with Jesus in a very personal way. All right, can we turn to John chapter 6? I know some of us have, who's got a paper Bible, like an actual physical Bible? Do we have physical Bibles in here? That's good. And you know what? Does anybody have a phone Bible or a tablet Bible or something like that? Hey, that's cool too. Technology is what you make it, isn't it? It is what you make it. So if you want to use it for good things, put the Bible app on your phone. That's the only way. I'm just kidding. Um, John chapter 6, starting in verse 53. It should have it up here on the screen too, if you can read it there. So Jesus said to them, I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood... You do not have life in yourselves. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day because my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I in him, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your fathers ate. And they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to all be gathered in the same place at the same time, Jesus, lifting up your name. Father, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're here because you promised you would be when we come together. Jesus, we pray that your your Holy Spirit um, would fall on this congregation, would fall on all of us, Jesus, as we hear these words that are so obvious from heaven. God, I know that you've spoken these to me. And so, Jesus, I pray that I would be able to speak them with um, the, the proper way, the, the way that you've instructed me to. Jesus, I give all the glory to you, whatever you want to do with this microphone, with this service. God, it's all yours. In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, water is such a good thing. So this, reading all of this, we think about communion a lot of times. We think, I'm going to come down here. I like it down here a little better. It reminds me of a funny story. Because we're, we're, reading, we're reading about what seems to be communion, right? The body of Christ. The blood of Christ. And when we read about that in Scripture, our first thought is communion. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And we think about that because it's something that we do. And it's something that we remember, right? Where we've kept those words, right? Do this in remembrance of me. But this reminds me of a funny story about communion because at our church, we use oyster crackers, okay, for, for the bread. And um, we always buy a new bag, always buy a new bag. And, and we did this in particular Sunday. And um, we passed it out and we're about to take it, you know, a pastor prays over the bread and, we, and then we all take the oyster cracker or the body, right, and we eat it. Except for this oyster cracker didn't crunch. It was about as stale as stale can get. And it tasted, I'm talking, it was beyond stale, okay? There's something wrong with that bag of oyster crackers. And I thought to myself, I was up on stage with the worship team, and I thought, we probably just got a couple bad ones, you know, maybe they, and then I looked, until I looked out, and I looked at everybody's faces. And everybody's face confirmed the biggest fear in my heart, that the entire bag of oyster crackers was beyond stale, and so I'm waiting for Pastor Bill, our senior pastor, to kind of acknowledge that and say, hey, you know, we're sorry about that, but let's just keep going, except for he didn't say anything. <laughs> and we just kept on going, and I asked him after service, why didn't you say something, Pastor Bill? And he's like, I didn't know what to say. Okay, so that's fine. But this is what happened is after service, our keyboard player, um, love, love that man. He's just one of those people that can, you can put him on a keyboard and you can tell him what genre, what era to play music from, and he just goes nuts, right? Catch him playing Handel's Messiah, and sometimes it's Super Mario theme song. You never know what he's going to play. Um, but he's, he's a very, very knowledgeable guy, very, always looking for every opportunity to kind of make a teachable moment. And I love that about him. His name is Dave. And um, Dave looked at me after after the service, and he said, well, you know, I, we're talking about the obvious, like, horrible bread that we just ate, and he said, well, it, may, it really makes me think of something. I said, what's that, Dave? Because I'm just waiting for the punchline, you know, what, how, how are you going to make this extra spiritual? He said, you know, I just think about how bitter the crucifixion was. I just think about how bitter that breaking of the body was. I was like, oh, whoa, like, that actually gripped me. You know, sometimes it's just like he's trying to make everything as spiritual as possible, but in that moment, it got me. That made sense. For the first time, horrible, stale oyster crackers were okay. I've never had that experience before, but it made sense. Here's the thing. Jesus tell, tells us in that scripture, he says, we must eat his body and drink his blood in order to have life. He even goes as far to say, the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Now, let me tell you, that sounds really crazy if you have no idea what communion is and you're sitting in front of Jesus listening to this teaching for the first time. Okay, I don't know about you, but if you can put yourself in that moment for a second with the disciples and with the people that were there listening to Jesus, can you imagine what they were thinking? Can you imagine thinking, um, like, okay, Jesus, first of all, you've done a lot of cool things. We really love your awesome miracles. You know, we love seeing you heal people, but you're literally telling us to eat you, and we don't like that. <laughs> That's a little weird, okay? It went as far as there was a time where some of the Roman government actually considered Christians a cult because they were cannibals. That's what they looked at them as, okay, because of this teaching, all right? Because, and they also, did you know this? This is just a little fun fact. Um, the Romans would look at the Christians as a cult also because they believed that they were all incestuous because they called each other brother and sister. I'm not kidding. They took it. They took it as literal as you could possibly take it. I'm so thankful to understand some of those things now. <laughs> Anyways, 
Imagine never hearing or understanding that, and then Jesus is saying, you must eat my body and drink my blood. He didn't just say, like, you just, you have to partake in me. No, he says, you eat my body and you drink my blood. I'm like, okay, that's a crazy teaching to hear at first, right? But we know, we know what Jesus is talking about, right? We know what he's talking about, his salvation, right? What he offers us, this free gift of salvation, his body broken, his blood poured out for us, right? It's a beautiful thing. Is anybody thankful for the cross? Thankful for the cross. We are sinners saved by grace. Thank you, Jesus. So what I did was like, I was like, there's got to be something more here, Jesus. Show me. And so I begin to look into the Greek, right? If, and, if, and you don't have to be a Bible scholar to do this. It's really simple. You find the scripture that you want to find the word for, and, and, and you simply, um, if it's in the New Testament, you use the word Greek. If it's in the Old Testament, you use the word Hebrew. So let's say, you know, we go to uh, John, John 6, 58. This is what you type in Google. John 6, 58, Greek. And then you can find something real quick that'll tell you every single Greek word. It's going to tell you where they're used in Scripture, how they're translated, everything that you need to know. So I'm telling you right now, you don't have to be some crazy Bible scholar to understand Greek. It's just a simple clicks on the computer. How many of you can use technology for good things, right? All right. So going further, what I found was, and I talked to one of my friends who does know Greek very well, and I talked to him about what does this Greek, what do these words mean, the eating and drinking. And the tense of those verbs in the, in the Greek are something that is called present participle active. That's a hard one to say. <laughs> In fact, every single time that Jesus, almost every time he mentions eating or drinking, it is present participle active, which means it is a continual act. It is something that is assumed to be continuous, right? So eating and drinking the flesh of Jesus and the blood of Jesus continually. Okay, that's a little interesting, but let's think about physical food for a second. Physical food, what do you have to do? After this, we're all going to go to lunch, right? You're probably going to get there late, just letting you know. Um, we're all going to go to lunch, right? We're going to eat some food, and then what are we going to do later? We're going to get hungry again, and we're going to eat some more food for dinner, right? And then the next morning, we're going to wake up, and we're probably going to be hungry when we wake up. So then we're going to pour, pour us a little bowl of Frosted Flakes, right? And then put your milk in it and eat it, whatever, right? We always do. We're constantly, we eat we get hungry. We eat, we get hungry over and over and over again, okay? So, I mean, this kind of makes sense then if we continually eat and drink of, the, of Jesus, right? And uh, of partaking in him, what he has for us. So we must continue to eat of Jesus in order to have the life that he speaks of. Without his food, we will truly die. That's what he's suggesting. You will have life if you eat of me. But if you don't, you die. That's the way it works. Of course, Jesus is talking very much in a strictly spiritual sense, right? We get that. There's two worlds, right? Two worlds. There's a physical world that we see that often blinds us and makes us so confused, but there's a spiritual one. And if we could only see what was happening behind that curtain, whatever is separating us from seeing that right now, if we could see that, I think our entire worldview would change. Let's keep going. So what is the food and the drink of Jesus? That's a, that's, a, that's a worthy thought, right? What is Jesus talking about? First thing, obviously, the Word of God, right? We feast on the Word of God. I know somebody, and he's one of my youth leaders, that every single time, every single time that he will fast, actually fast from physical food, right, he will open the Bible during his mealtimes and feast on Scripture as a very literal way for his mind. This is, and it's, this is for him. If you want to do that, that's great. But it works for him. It's great. He looks at, he reads the scripture and actually allows it to be integrated into his mealtimes instead of eating real food. What a great way to do it because you can do that no matter where you're at. Anyways, so his word. And what about the words that he speaks to us too? Those are important things too. Very important, right? We've got scripture and we've got his words that he's speaking to us. 
his nourishment for us. So let's talk about reading the Bible for just a second. Um, does anybody remember when reading the Bible was not an easy thing? It was a little tough for you. Do we, has, have we all been there before? I like, I like everybody to be honest. Can we get some honesty in the room? All right. So we've all been, I'd say every single one of us have been there to a place where either we didn't like it or it was hard. Okay. Most of us, we either, we maybe, maybe we just didn't understand it, right? We've said, I've heard a lot of my youth say that I just don't understand the Bible. What's the point if I don't understand it? Well, we're getting there. Or maybe you just don't feel like it. That's, that's a true thing. That happens, right? We're human beings. Or maybe you just don't, maybe you don't feel motivated, right, to, to, to get up the hour early before work or before school so that you can or, or devote that time after work or after school or in the middle or whatever. Maybe you just don't feel motivated to do it. I need some, um, I need some real honesty. Can we, be all, can we all be honest right now? You ready for this? I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and it's okay because this is a safe place. Does anybody struggle with reading the Bible on a regular basis right now? Right now. That's okay. Hey, thank you for your honest answers. That's awesome. Um, and I'm sure it's because a lot of these same things. You don't understand it. You don't feel motivated. You just don't want to do it. And you know what? I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to feel ashamed because I'm going to tell you that's actually normal. And let me explain why. It's okay to struggle with Scripture. I'm going to tell you how you cannot dread it. I'm going to explain that, how you can get to a point where you won't dread reading Scripture anymore. But I want to help you understand this because this is all one step towards intimacy with Jesus, closeness with Jesus. It's all one step towards that. And so, does anybody drink coffee? Do you have any coffee drinkers in the room? Oh, man. Black coffee drinkers. Okay. Those, you're the only real coffee drinkers. Thank you. Anyways. How many of you know that Jesus loves to speak to you in your surroundings, right? He uses the things around you all the time to speak things to you, to show you things, to teach you lessons, whatever needs to happen. He'll use the things around you so often. So um, when you put cream and sugar, and I just want to say this, when you put cream or sugar in your coffee, I'm just letting you know you're putting poison in your coffee. So don't poison your coffee for your own good. Don't do it. Um, drink it black. Anyways, I actually hated coffee at first. I'm a huge coffee drinker now. I drink it all the time. I'm way too into it. I'm a snob, so don't ask me. Anyways, I used to think, what's the point of drinking something that you have to put other things in to make it taste good? What's the point of that? I should be able to drink it and just like it, right? Well, I was wrong because at some point after becoming a pastor, I decided that I was going to force myself to drink black coffee. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I don't know why. I don't know where that desire came from. But here's the thing. When you drink black coffee, especially for the first time, or especially if you're used to cream and sugar, it tastes bitter, right? Kind of like the oyster crackers we ate. It's bitter. And it's bitter at first. I don't know if I wanted to drink coffee as like a masculinity thing or something, but I had to prove something to myself, apparently. So I drank it every day, literally forcing myself to drink this horrible black liquid that I just thought was absolutely terrible. Eventually, I started to try different brewing methods because I was like, okay, this, there's got to be something better about this, right? Better about this coffee. So I started to brew it a different way, and I would get different beans from different places. You know, maybe, maybe there's something out there that I'll, that I'll actually be able to begin to enjoy. But before you knew it, I, before I even realized that I had acquired a taste for coffee, and I wanted it every single day. And it, it, it came to a point where I could go get gas station coffee, and I was, I was okay with it. I could drink it. I could put it down, no matter if it was black or not, okay? And then, of course, you know, I'm finding all these other ways to make it, that some, you know, make it taste better. Believe me, black coffee can taste really good. If you don't believe me, ask me to make you a cup sometime. Anyways, our, um, 
Our flesh will stop at nothing to keep us away from the spiritual food we need. Okay, the same way you push against that black coffee, that taste, right? That acquired taste that you're hoping for. Your flesh does the same thing when you're trying to read scripture. Did you know that? Did you know that because we're born in a flesh, sinful body, that it's normal for your flesh to push against the reading of scripture? That's normal because the flesh is going to do everything it can to push away the spiritual things because there's a war going on. See, the word of God is food. It is what satiates our soul. It is what nourishes, what satisfies our soul. It's the truth. If you don't, and, and here's the thing is, you don't know that until, you do, until you've been reading it and then you don't have it, right? What, what is it? You, you don't know how much you miss something until it's gone, right? But for, in this case, if you never had it in the first place, you don't know that you miss it because your flesh is pushing against it. But you know what Galatians 5.17 says? It says, for the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh these are opposed to each other so that you don't know so that you don't do what you want now there's it's talking about some things in the middle of galatians so there's a lot going on but the fact of the matter is for the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh so if your spirit is thirsting and hungering for spiritual food the word of god then your flesh desires the opposite. So as soon as that comes into your life, your flesh is going to push it away. So let me tell you, it's normal. You're not a crazy person. You're not a bad Christian if at first you, just, you find yourself trying to push it away. But we do have a responsibility. We need the words of Jesus. This, it is his food where that we have to eat. We have to have it. His words. And I was talking to my dad a few nights ago when I'm on my way home from Michigan City. And he said something that was really profound, and it makes so much sense. You know, Jesus asks us to, f- to fast from our earthly uh, and fleshly nourishment, right? Our, our food. He, uh, he says we need to, and he said in, in particular that there's demons that can only be cast out if or through prayer and fasting. And so our district youth director, Steve Furr, always says, he says, you never know when that's going to happen, so you better be prepared, right? Because what happens if you as a leader, especially... You as a Christian, because we're all leaders in our community in some aspect, right? As believers, what happens when that situation arises and there's this, there's, I'm, and I'm not kidding, this, this stuff can happen. A demonic influence or a demon, somebody who's oppressed by a demon or dep- whatever you want to say, and you're facing this thing, but it requires prayer and fasting and you haven't been doing that. You're gonna, it's, it's not going to look good, right? It's not going to look good. You're going to be in a very vulnerable position. So just, just throwing that out there. But Jesus tells us to fast from those things. But you know what we do instead? We fast from Jesus. Let that sink in for just a second. Instead of, Jesus just simply says, hey, sometimes you need to fast from food and pray because this is, this is not only good for you, but sometimes it, the demonic things require that. But instead, we fast from Jesus. Now think of how vulnerable that leaves you. So not only are you not doing what he says, but you're actually doing the opposite of what he says. That's just a crazy thought. I'll just let that kind of sit in your brain for a while. So the second thing, first we had reading scripture. We need it. And it's okay if you don't get it at first. You push through it. You just keep reading it because eventually you acquire a taste for scripture. It's the truth. It's the truth, I promise you. You do it for a while, one little bit at a time, little bit at a time. Before you know it, not only are you beginning to understand, but you're also beginning to desire it. You'll get halfway through your day and be like, what is wrong? And then you realize it occurs to you. You didn't read this morning and you're like, that's what it is. That's what's throwing me off so much, right? 
we've all forgotten, we're, we've all forgot to eat lunch before. I have forgot to eat lunch before, right? You get so busy with your day, or maybe it's you forget to eat dinner, and you realize, oh my, it doesn't hit you until you're starving. You know, you're like, I'm so hungry, it's nine o'clock, I haven't eaten dinner yet. It's the same thing with Scripture. You can get to that point if you just push past your fleshly things. You will acquire a taste for Scripture, I promise you. The next, we have the words that Jesus speaks to us, another form of nourishment that we need. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's the beginning of John. Beginning of John's Gospel. It's just a beautiful collection of words, and and I really would recommend that you go into that and you actually um, memorize it, even if it's just that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's so good to remember for all of us. The Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word is in God. God is the Word. You, however you want to say it, the Word and God, the Word of God, they are one and the same. And I, I love, um, I, I had a, a friend of mine who actually does rap and different things, and he has this beautiful rhyme put together. He said, God, you are incredibly credible to the point that you wrote the Word as flesh, and it was legible. That's good, right? Such a good truth there. You wrote the word as flesh. Jesus became, he is the word in flesh and he was legible. You could read, you could hear the words. He said the words. You can read the words now. It's just an amazing thing that God did. So we have the Bible from, G, from God, right? Inspired by the Holy Spirit that we can read and that we can gain nourishment from. So if we hold those words, right? Because we believe Jesus is the word, right? Jesus, Holy Spirit inspired this. If we hold those words so highly, we must also hold the words that he speaks to us highly. You know why? Because it's the same Jesus that speaks to us. The same Jesus that speaks to us is the same Jesus that that inspired those scriptures to be written and said those words that are in scripture. Everything we hear. Now, this is the most important part because so many people have said, in the name of God, I'm doing this. And it was a horrible and heinous and terrible act. Right? We see that all the time. Even people in the name of the Christian God, they'll say that, right? They'll say they're doing these things. God told me to do this horrible thing. And, and here's, here's where they went wrong. Because everything we hear, since we are finite human beings, must be held against the Bible as a measuring rod or a status quo, right? We know that, okay? The Bible, right, the, in, the, the, the inspired word of God becomes our standard for the character of God and, and who he is. And, and the words that he speaks to us. But Pastor Stephen, I don't hear Jesus speak to me. He doesn't speak to me. I think there's a lot of us in here that would probably say that, or probably say, like, I have a hard time, or maybe I've only heard him once for sure. Maybe never for sure. But hold up, and I want you to think about this for a second, because if you're telling me that, then you're telling me that the same Jesus that went to the cross dying for your sins. Think, and I believe 100% that there was, there was some moment when he did this, whether it was before he came to earth or whether it was while he was on earth, there was a moment when he thought about us, every single one of us, because he knit us all together. He knows us. He knew who we were before we were put together, right? He knows those things before the foundations of the world were laid. And so at some point when he knew he had to go to the cross, We were in his mind. We were there somewhere, whether before he was on earth or while he was on earth, we were there. And so he's doing, and so even knowing as we're sinners, right? Because it's still as, uh, what is it? Christ, while we're still, while we're still yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? He knew all this stuff. Jesus was the standard for compassion and for communication. Do you realize that? The teaching, if you, if you analyze everything that Jesus did in scripture and you follow his principles and examples, you will become one of the greatest teachers of all time. I promise you that. Because the way he did things was revolutionary. 
It was, it, it, it was like some of the most perfect techniques, if you will, of teaching. Not only is he a standard for communication and communicating things to people, but he's also the standard of compassion, right? So much of what Jesus did is a reason of why we act the way we do every day, because Jesus modeled it in front of us. So you're telling me the same person who is the standard for communication and the standard for compassion is just somehow like shutting you out. Let's think about that for a second, because that doesn't make any sense at all. So how do you hear Jesus? Now, that is a big question. What does the voice of God sound like? I guarantee you, if you, start, if you type in Google, what does God, and it'll say, sound like. <laughs> it'll immediately go to that, because so many people have asked that question. What does God sound like? God, how do I know it's you? We've all asked that question at one point in our life, and some of us are still asking that now, and that's all right. So how do you hear Jesus? And for myself and every single person I've ever heard answer this question, the answer has always been the same. You learn. Golly, that's not what you want to hear, is it? That requires a little bit of work and responsibility on our part. You bet it does, right? You learn. You learn what, the, what God sounds like, what the Holy Spirit sounds like as he speaks. In Scripture, we read that God's voice comes as a still and small whisper. What a beautiful picture of God's voice to us sometimes. Has anybody heard a still and small whisper from God? Anybody? Yeah, you just, and you just know it's God, right? Just, just out of curiosity, has anybody heard God's audible voice? Ah, oh, ah, oh, Jesus. I want that. Amen. Okay. That's so cool. I've never heard God's audible voice, but I know that it's a thing. I know that he does that, and um, it's okay to ask for those things. It's okay to desire that. Before I talk about learning to hear the voice of God, I want to say this. Jesus is much bigger than your inability to hear him. Let me say that again. Jesus is much bigger than your inability to hear him. I heard uh, uh, somebody once say that, um, you know, if you're super anxious and you're super worried and you got this problem ahead of you, you can, it might be over your head, but it's always under his feet. Your, your inability to hear God is not bigger than Jesus. So don't worry about that. It's, it's not that you're somehow going to miss every. If you desire to hear him, you're going to hear him, first of all. And second of all, he, he's not going to let you miss something, okay? If you want, if you desire to hear, he's not going to let you miss something. And think about this. He knows how to get your attention. Who made you? Who knitted you together in, the, in, in your mother's womb? It was Jesus. He knew. He knows how to get your attention. So let's not pretend that for some reason Jesus has like, you know, just like ran out on us and he's holding out on us. He's not doing that. Let's put our confusion and our blame aside and let this soak in. Jesus can and will speak to you in a way that you can hear and understand. That is a promise from me to you that Jesus will talk to you and will speak to you in a way that you can understand as long as we're willing to go for it. Okay? And what I mean, I'll explain what I mean in that in just a second. Jesus speaks in whispers when all is silent. He speaks in articulate whispers, not vague whispers, not confusing groans or distant sounds. He speaks quietly, directly, and perfectly. That's the truth. That's the truth. Our responsibility is to listen. That's our first responsibility. And that's usually our first problem. But I don't hear God. He doesn't speak to me. First thing you need to do is figure out if there's anything in between you and God. Because you know what sin does? It separates. So how can you expect there to be an open line to heaven if there's something that's separating you from that? 
deal with the sin first. Always deal with this. Get it out of the way. Jesus, I don't want this in my life. I don't want this anymore. I just want to hear from you. I want to hear from heaven. Get rid of the separation first. Second, our responsibility is to listen. We have to listen. It's simple. And in order to listen, we must create a space for our listening to occur. Not because God needs a space, but because we need a space. Because we get very busy. We fill our minds with other things that have a hard time escaping when we're trying to listen. We are the problem. It's not God that's the problem. We must create a space for ourselves to listen. And again, not because God needs space, because we need space. In Scripture, Jesus said that he only speaks what his Father in heaven speaks. What a beautiful thing. You know, Jesus was so limited that that's why he had to only speak what his Father spoke. You realize that, right? Just because he was Jesus does not mean a lot. It means that he was Jesus. It means, yes, sure, God came down as the flesh, but he also limited himself to who we are. So everything that Jesus did was because he was listening to the Father and because he was operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the exact same access that we as believers have. The exact same access as we believers have. We look at Jesus like sometimes we distance ourselves from him like he's too much. Jesus is just too much. He's way more than me, way more spiritual than me. But, you know, we know that Jesus said, you will do greater things than these. We know that Jesus was a man, and he was limited to the same limitations that we have. Anyway, so our responsibility is to listen. Jesus listened to his Father and spoke only what his Father spoke. So that is our responsibility. We have to be patient in the listening, okay? Because this is why we have to be patient, because lastly here, learning a new language takes time. And sometimes... I've always, and it's not like Jesus speaks some foreign language to you, but learning to hear his voice is like learning how to speak a new language. You know how you learn a new language? It takes time and you learn from experience. Yeah? If you've ever taken a foreign language before, that's what happens. It takes time and it takes experience. You learn, right? You go to the teacher. Let's go to Jesus, okay? Let's go in there and Jesus, Lord, I don't know how to hear you. I have no idea what you're saying because I never know how to listen. So Jesus, right now in this moment, would you teach me how to hear you? If you go to him every day with that, you're going to learn little by little. And before you know it, you're going to be in some awesome, awesome places. You have to spend time learning and discerning his voice. Discerning, obviously, holding it up to the word of God that you should already be reading, right? They go hand in hand. A lot of times I've seen God start small and slowly build people up into bigger and bigger things. So he's going to begin to speak to you. You go to him. You're reading the word. You begin to go to God no matter how you feel because this isn't about feelings, right? Right? Love isn't an emotion. We know that. Love is something you do. It's an action. So if you love Jesus, you act like it. It's simple, all right? So you go. You read the scripture, right? You read the, the script. You go into those times. And you say, Jesus, okay, I want to hear from you. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to listen. And you listen and he begins to teach you every day. If you do that every day and every day and every day and every day, and you do it over and over and over again, I promise you, you're going to learn and you're going to hear the voice of God and your life will change dramatically. And he may begin to speak little things to you. It may be things like, 
oh, like, you know, look, look, what, what do you see in front of you? And, oh, it's like, oh, this tree. And God begins to tell you about what's going on there. Or maybe God begins to tell you um, about some, you know, maybe he's using your kids to teach you something, right? Those beautiful moments with your children that you'll never forget. And he begins to teach you through those moments, right? A lot of us as parents have had, I'm not a parent, but you know what I'm saying. A lot of parents in this room um, have had those opportunities or whether it's outside in nature, whether it's with music, anything in the world God can use. And he may begin to use that in those moments. So he's speaking these little things to you, right? They're beautiful things. They're safe things because they're ministering to your soul and he builds them up and he builds them up. And before you know it, you're walking down the street and you see a stranger and God gives you a word of knowledge for that person, challenges you to tell them and and pray for them. And boom, you tell them exactly what's going on in their life. They break down because the power of the Holy Spirit comes all over them because all you did was speak what God told you, right? The words of the father. And then boom, they get saved because you were listening to God. Everything stems from intimacy with Jesus. You want to see the people around you change? You want to see the city change? You want to see this church change, right? You want to see crazy, awesome things happen because of what God's doing? Get close with Jesus, okay? 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Now this is talking about salvation and redemption and other mysteries of God. We know that, but it says... The, the, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Even the depths of God. The Holy Spirit searches even the depths of God. I want to be able to hear the Spirit that searches the depths of God. I would love that. I want to know the depths of God. I apologize if I'm going over my time, but I got some good words and I need to preach them. So, okay. So the point of all this is that I want you to hear and learn the voice. It's simple. All you got to do is you got to give him time and you got to listen. That's it. If your flesh pushes against it, push back against your flesh. Simple as that. You just keep doing it no matter how you feel, no matter how motivated you are. You just keep doing it. And I promise you will push past the flesh. You will begin to hear the voice of God and your life will begin to change. And that will leak out to the people around you. I promise you. It might take a year. I don't know. It might take two years. I don't know. What are you going to pour into it? What are you going to do? It's our responsibility. So much of this is our responsibility. One thing that I love, we were at the Reload Youth Leader Conference. The speaker said, we're, everybody put your phones on the stage. We're not, no, no phones. If you have a journal, bring that with you. If you have a piece of paper, that's fine. But just go sit in the room and for 30 minutes, we're just going to be silent. We're going to listen. For 30 minutes, that's a long time when you're just sitting there. But you know what? Every one of my leaders, every one of my leaders heard from God that day. I heard from God that day. I don't know if there was a single person in that room who didn't hear from God. And a lot of those people may have not heard God for a long time or ever. All we did was set aside time and listen. Always weigh the words you hear from God against the word of God. Right? Again, do not make the mistake of saying, I'm doing this in the name of God and it does not line up with the character of God or with scripture. So again, scripture and hearing God go hand in hand. The words we hear can be authenticated by the word of God and the character of God displayed throughout scripture. We have to realize that God may say, let's, let's do this, we're going to work in this new way, but it has to line up with the character and the message of the gospel. The character of God and the message of the gospel, okay? We have to go back to the Bible with anything that we hear, no matter what. Even if we think in our minds, oh, this is definitely God, go back to scripture. Go back to scripture. Lastly, this is my last point before I'm going to close. We have to allow ourselves to be loved. If you can get this one, 
this one will totally motivate you and change your life if you can allow yourself to be loved. I'm going to present a few concepts that are going to sound really strange. They're going to sound out there, and they might even sound super spiritual. Read your Bible. Make sure that I'm on on point. But I found this to be true in my own life. In Ephesians 5, Paul talks about about the relationship between a husband and a wife. And then he kind of comes in at the end, and he's like, oh, and by the way, I'm actually talking about the church and the bride, right? The church is the bride. Christ is the groom. The church, Christ and his church, right? We've heard the bride and the groom. We hear that all through Scripture. You can find it in almost every part of the Bible. There's always something about the bride and the groom, right? And especially in the New Testament, you find it everywhere. So maybe if we start acting like the bride that we're supposed to be, you know? Think about this for a second. We have to let Jesus love us like he would love a bride, Now, that sounds a little interesting, doesn't it? Let me get into this just real quick. Imagine what it would look like if we let Jesus love us and pursue us. How many know there's a pursuit that goes into marriage and relationships, right? The man pursues the woman. That's the truth. That's that's a part of it. And you know what? If that doesn't happen, then relationships don't normally work. But you know what else makes a relationship not work? When a woman doesn't let the man pursue her, right? Shut him down, right? You don't like him, you shut him down. (laughs) <laughs> don't let him pursue. Don't let him do those things. Don't just be nice. You gotta be, you gotta, there's a point where you got to say, all right, seriously, you know, I don't want any, any of that. There's a, there comes a point where you got to say that. But here's the thing. If Jesus is loving us as the bride, we have to let him pursue us in love. Sounds crazy, but it's true. And men, this is not an easy one for us. I can tell you that right now. Because we're thinking to ourselves, How, what do you mean love like the bride? That's just weird. That's a weird thought, like, because for, for men, that, that reverses normal thinking. That reverses everything we've learned about being a man and providing for our family, because we have to learn. One thing that Jesus told me a long time ago, he says, before you ever have, to, before you ever have a bride, you have to learn to be one underneath me. Oof, mm, that's good. Anyways, sorry. We have to let Jesus love us like a bride. So we have to let him... Now, this is crazy. This sounds crazy, but just bear with me for a second. We have to let him take us on dates. That sounds so weird and so out there. But think for a second. If, if, if the ultimate example of Christ and his church is a bride and a groom, there has to be a pursuit. And Jesus is pursuing every single one of us with fervency, with love, and with compassion with everything that you could possibly imagine. He's doing that. Think about these dates for a second. How about those early morning quiet times or worship services outdoors when he wants to teach you something? It could be any moment of any day, but we have to be listening to Jesus because sometimes he wants to take us somewhere where we're not going. Sometimes our quiet times might look a little different when we listen to what he's trying to lead us into. And it's going to be so much more beautiful than what we could ever conjure up. Okay? Okay. So when you let Jesus kind of come in and plan these things, plan these dates, if you will, again, it sounds weird and super spiritual, I know, but it's the truth if we really are the bride, that we've got to let him pursue us. I'll never forget the moment I was, I went home for lunch, I made some pizza, because that's, you know, a great bachelor meal, and um, made some pizza, and I was about to just sit down and watch an episode of something on Netflix, you know, that's what I do for my lunch times, and God goes, will you just sit down and eat pizza with me? Like, pfft. Like, what? Like, God, I don't see pizza in Scripture. You know, like, how, how is this you, God? And he goes, would you just not turn on the TV, 
just sit down and just talk. We'll just talk, and you can eat your pizza, and we'll just talk. I said, okay, okay, this is weird. <laughs> and so I sat there, and I just ate my pizza, and, and I talked to Jesus. And, and I, there was moments where I wept, just wept, because Jesus was just speaking. It wasn't anything like revolutionary and groundbreaking. He was just expressing how much he loves and cares about me and wants to do great things and wants me to listen to him and all those things. We have to answer his calls, right? Because when you're on the phone, right, right, men, you got to call your wife, you got to call your, 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 you know, your girlfriend, whoever it is. If you want it to work, you call her on the phone, right? When you can't be together, you call her on the phone. Jesus does that. Accept his gifts. Let him be spontaneous with you. Accept his gifts for you. Because you know what? It's crazy. Because Jesus, I, you know, I'm not up here to say, oh, you know, Jesus is just this God that just blesses everybody and that we're all great and it's all fine and dandy. Because I know that there's times where we have hard times. I mean, it's the truth. But when Jesus wants to bless you, let him do it. Sometimes we're like, oh, no, you know, like in the name of Christianity, I am not going to accept that. Like, let somebody bless you, you know, and Jesus wants to do that. Answer his calls. When he's trying to talk to you, answer him. Answer what he's saying to you. Go into those times. Listen for his voice at all times. Allow him to bless you, right? You never turn off your cell phone. And a lot of times when you're in a relationship, especially like, I'm going to keep my phone on all night in case she wakes up in the middle of the night and she needs something, you know. Jesus might want to call you in the middle of the night. I don't know. When you wake up in the middle of the night, you better ask Jesus, hey, do you need anything? Because <laughs> sometimes he likes to do that. Respond to his voice. Go where he calls you to go. I'll never forget. I'm almost into my closing, I promise. But I'll never forget the moment when, or multiple moments when Jesus would, I, I'd feel this like weird urge, like, okay, okay, like God, what's going on? You know, you get this, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's different for everybody, but I just get this weird urge sometimes when I have to ask Jesus, what do you want? And he's like, okay. I need you to go to this place right now. Okay, Jesus. Okay, okay I'll go. Um, and many times that has led to either him teaching me something through something I get to see. Sometimes it's lightning storms out on the lake. If you've never seen a lightning storm over Lake Michigan, you need to see a lightning storm over Lake Michigan. It's incredible. It will change your life. Anyways, um, has anybody ever seen a sunset at the dunes? Whoo-wee. Sunset or on any beach. It's just a beautiful experience. God would take me to places like that so many times. He'd say, get up and go right now. Or I'll be driving and be like, your friends are going that way. You're going that way. And I'll, and I'll witness these things. And, I'll, and I even had a moment where I, I was sitting on the beach with my guitar because God told me to go there. And I was sitting there. And then this, this girl who hadn't been to church for ages, she pulls it. She, she comes up and I'm, she's like, hey, what's going on, Pastor Stephen? Like, I haven't seen you in a while. She sits down and we have this long conversation. Now she's in the church again. Like, just because God said, go there. Simple. It's not something I did. I just listened. Here's the last thing. Jesus gave himself up for us to be sacrificed. He sacrificed himself for us. You know what else it says about wives in the Bible? Now, I'm not going to get into this, and I know that Pastor Bob has preached this very well, but it says submit to your husbands. But let's think about us real quick. Let's think about the bride to Christ. We have to do the same thing with Jesus. We have to trust that he always has the best intentions for us and allow ourselves, we have to allow ourselves to walk under his plan and destiny. We must always go to him for decisions and find out what he thinks first. Think about that for a second. Between us and Jesus, God, I submit myself to you. Jesus, what do you want to do? Jesus, let's go. Let's do this. I'm on board with your plans. I know that you have the best things in mind for me, not the worst things. That doesn't mean you're not going to go any through anything. That just means that he always has your best intentions, the best intentions for you in mind. All right. So closing, intimacy with Jesus will affect every area of your life, every relationship you have, okay? That goes for girlfriends, boyfriends, friends, 
family, yourself, with the world, everything. You want to be a better parent? Intimacy with Jesus. You want to be a better teacher? What about a worker, a better secretary, pastor, dad, mom, grandma, grandpa, Christian, or even just a better human being? Intimacy with Jesus is where you start. Intimacy with Jesus will affect your relationship with yourself, your friends and family, and with the world. You know, it literally will change everything about you. You have a question. You have, God, I need you for this moment. I don't know what to do. Intimacy with Jesus will, will give you your answer. You want an answer? You literally want an answer to every single one of your problems. And I'm talking to believers here because that's how you have a relationship with Jesus, right? I'm going to get into, I'll, I'll explain that in just a moment. But if you want intimacy with Jesus, you've got to be a believer. You've got to have accepted his grace, his love over your life. And you've got to repent from your sins. And you've got to continually do that, right? And then you eat of Jesus. You eat of his words. And when you do that, every one of your questions that you have will be answered by intimacy with Jesus. I promise you that. One way or another, if you go to Jesus every single time, you're getting close with him. You're listening to his words. You're opening yourself to this Holy Spirit and his leading and his guiding every day. You're going to see a change in yourself, in the world around you, the people around you, the people you work with. I promise. I promise. I promise. So suddenly your self-worth and your self-esteem increases because you know who you are. You know why? Because Jesus told you. You can read scripture, and that's great, and it tells you so much about who you are, and I'm not taken away from that because Jesus speaks through his scripture, right? It comes alive to us so many times. But when Jesus speaks identity into you himself, that, 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 that changes you in an instant. That changes the way you think about life. That changes the way you think about yourself. And so because Jesus told you, or maybe suddenly that friend or family member you couldn't stand has moved to the top of your prayer list and you can now have ultimate compassion on them. Imagine that person you can't forgive. Can't forgive them at all. You just can't find yourself to do it because you have no love for them at all. Imagine being able to do that because you had intimacy with Jesus. Once the world was a scary place, and you were unsure about where we were headed, but suddenly Jesus steps in with hope and gives you an eternal perspective. I'll tell you what, if the world is a scary place to you right now and you are so worried and caught up in what is happening and who's what and who's going to be president and all these things, if you're so worried about that and you find yourself in anxious fits and not knowing what to do, intimacy with Jesus. That'll change your perspective on this world because suddenly... Those things, yes, I, I'm, and I never want to think that I'm trying to pull away like this is not important, like our elections aren't important. Those are so important things. But suddenly, the world is the world now. It's not just the United States anymore. It's, what are, what, God, what are we doing here? What can we do? How can this kingdom be built up? What Jesus, how can we, how can we? And suddenly, you see things from an eternal perspective. And life, life doesn't even, life is becomes this important, and you're just like, Jesus, what can I do right now? I just want to help. I just want to do what I can. And those things become so insignificant. All because you decided to choose intimacy with Jesus. It would be great if I could have somebody on piano or guitar or whatever. I don't care. Either one's fine. We're Pentecostal. We like background music, so it's great. Um, Everything changes when you choose to stop and listen to his voice, to read your scripture, to make time for him, to respond to his calls, right? To let him love you in those moments, to learn how to be the bride of Christ and actually let him pursue you, let him. You know, Jesus is trying to impress us all the time. Did you know that? And I mean strictly from a groom to bride perspective. He's trying every moment of every day. He's, I just want to, I want to amaze you. I want to work in your life. 
I want to teach you something new today. I want to call you into the secret place, right? The same spirit that searches the depths of God, right? We have, we have access to that, and we can just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Teach me something new today. Guys, it's so simple. But I'll tell you what, if, this, if, this kind, if, if, you, if every single person in this whole church took, took some of these, these concepts and you just got intimate with Jesus, you got close to him, and you started to learn what it means to hear the voice of God, I know that this church would look completely different in a week if every single person in here took one, that 100% seriously and the people that already do it. You know what I'm saying? Go after Jesus, man. He loves you so much. He loves all of us with an, like, a love that I can't even understand. It's so crazy because, you know, we all mess up and sin all the time. And yet he's still like, I'm showering you with love. Just come back to me. Just ask. All I'm asking for is you to turn away from what you used to do and come to me. And I will provide. I will make it. I will make it work. Just, just, just come to me. That's simple. Could you stand with me real quick? We're going to pray. We're going to give some time for God to speak to us. But we're going to take our time because, you know, we're not in a hurry. Dear Jesus, you are so perfect. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. Jesus, thank you for pursuing us as a people. Thank you for speaking words into us. God, for those of us who haven't heard your voice before or don't understand what that even means, God, I pray that you would would meet us right where we're at, Jesus, and that you would overwhelm our inability to hear your voice, that you would teach us what it means to hear from heaven. Jesus, right now, I'm asking for just a complete open heaven, an open line of communication between this building and and your throne room right now, Jesus open line of communication. Father, I pray right now that any sin that is in our lives right now, that, that you begin to convict our hearts and we just begin to repent. We begin to say it out loud and get it out of our lives so that, that it can exit and that we don't have to have a, any kind of, um, that we don't have to have any kind of separation in between you and us anymore. Jesus, we want an open communication, open line to heaven. Jesus, right now I'm just asking, um, Lord, that your spirit would cover this place and that we begin to hear your words, Lord, that you would make us thirsty and hungry again for your words, Lord, that you would remind us who to pray for, God, that you would use our, our prayers, God, and you would take them into the ends of the earth, God. May, our, may, may, the, may the prayers that we pray be focused on what you want us to focus on. Jesus, you are everything we could ever want or ever need. So Jesus, I'm just asking in your name that we, you would speak to us in this moment. In your name, Jesus, amen.